Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts Teleforce Productions and iHeartRadio presents Wheel Woman, Confessions of a Getaway Driver. How long were you hiding out from Joe before he tracked you down? It took some time, but it was still well before I was prepared to see him. I thought I was so careful, but under all the stress of starting a new life, I had forgotten to close my bank account back home. Though I had opened a new account in L.A., it was still with the same bank, and... Joe used it to get my number. Hello? Where are you, Georgia? L.A., where you called me. Where in L.A.? I'm in no mood for guessing games. What difference does it make, Joe? I'm not coming back. I'm warning you for the last time, Georgia. Get your ass home now. But for the first time, I wasn't scared. I had begun to build my own life. I was independent, and my new freedom gave me a new confidence. Not this time, Joe. I refuse to live that way anymore. Just come home, Georgia, and I'll forget this ever happened. I can't. Why can't you? Because it'll never end, Joe. You'll never change. I'll change. I've had a lot of time to think. 
I don't blame you for running, but you have to give me another shot. Let me prove it to you. Okay, honey? Please, Joe, just leave me alone. It just won't work, okay? I'm so sick of being miserable. There's never been enough of me left to give Tony. How can I be a good mother if I'm always in mental turmoil? It hasn't been easy, but you know what? We are both happier now than we have ever been. So please, if you really care about us, leave us alone. I worry about you two by yourselves. Do you have any money? I'm getting by. Do you have any idea what you put me through? Not knowing where the hell you are, or if you're all right or not? For Christ's sake, Georgia! You're all alone in that fucking city with a little kid. Do you realize what an easy mark you are? Honey, you need me more than you realize, okay? Come home, please. I can take care of myself. God damn it, Georgia. Don't make me do this. Tell me where you are. You know I'll find out anyway, so why don't you make it easy on yourself? You see what I mean, Joe? I'm hanging up now. He didn't have my address yet, but I knew it would be simple enough to find. I started looking for another apartment, but it was easier this time. And I meant what I said to him. Tony and I were happier than ever, and I wasn't going to give that up. I kept Joe at bay, but then I got into a situation where I needed his help. There was this real creep, Steve. Just some weirdo I met in passing once who became fixated on me who got it in his head that I should be with him, and he made it clear he would stop at nothing to make that dream a reality. He was an obsessive maniac, stalking me and threatening me. I tried everything to get him to leave me alone, but nothing worked. He wouldn't relent. He would call incessantly. Ring, 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 ring. I can still hear that phone ringing today. I'd hang up on him, and he'd call right back. I'd turn on my answering machine, and he'd talk until he used up my tape. He would show up at my door in the middle of the night crying, begging me to let him in. I'd call the police and he'd take off. But he'd be back the next night with a different story. One night he turned up bleeding. Go away, Steve. Please, please open the door. They, they're out there. They just stabbed me. Open the door, Georgia. I think I need an ambulance. Look out your people if you don't believe me. I'm bleeding to death. What happened? I was parking in the alley, and these two black guys jumped me. They stabbed me. Could you get me a towel? He was bleeding, but I knew he was lying about what happened. I had a sinking feeling he stabbed himself. I'll call 911. No, 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 it's okay. I'll be all right. Steve, you're bleeding. You have to go to the hospital. The police arrived before the paramedics. When they questioned him, the story was slightly different. The police led him to the ambulance and then returned to the apartment after he was driven away. 
Officer, I think he may have stabbed himself. Now, why would you think that? Well, I believe he would say or do anything to get me to open my door to him. I've had this problem with him before. Your department has a record of all this. He's not a very stable person. He claims your husband hired the guys who did this to him. What? Oh, man, my husband doesn't even know he exists. In fact, he doesn't even know if I exist. This guy is a habitual liar. I know he stabbed himself. We'll still have to check it out. Where does your husband live? No! God, I don't want him to find me. I won't tell you. Why can't you guys be concerned about my safety? Do you know how many times I've called you for help? This guy is nuts! Why don't you believe me? Why don't you ever do anything about him? I'm sorry, miss, but if he hasn't actually hurt you, there's nothing we can do. Our hands are tied. Surprise, surprise, the police were useless. The calls were still incessant. I called a mutual acquaintance who confirmed my fears. He told me that Steve was bad news and had just took him for 80 grand. What's worse is apparently Steve had been lying about his daughter's death. She was very much alive. And what's more, he was still married. I was told to stay away from him. He clearly had his crew loose. I was trying. And then one day I came home from work and I couldn't find Tony. I looked everywhere, at the park, at the neighbors. When I walked back into the apartment, frantic, the phone was ringing. Hello? I've got Tony. Where are you with my daughter, Steve? I just took her for an ice cream. Why are you so worried? Bring back my daughter, Steve, right now. Will you talk to me when I get there? Yes, I'll talk to you. Just get her back here now. Within ten minutes, they were back. I sent Tony downstairs to play with our neighbor's daughter before yelling at Steve. He didn't answer. Instead, I watched in fear as he pulled out a shotgun. I didn't think, I just ran. I barricaded myself in my bedroom and called 911. He left, but I knew he'd be back. The police, well, they took another report. It dawned on me that I could actually wind up dead if I didn't do something about it. The police would never stop him. So, I called the one person I knew who would. Fight fire with fire, they say. It was my last resort. Yeah? Hi, Joe. Where are you? Where have you been hiding? I've been worried sick. I'm in Los Angeles, but I need your help. What's the matter? I have a problem, and I don't know who else to turn to. What kind of problem? Well, there's this guy. Uh, Joe? I'm here. You have to help me. He, he's gonna kill me. I've been staying at a friend since he broke into my apartment, but he'll be back. I'm afraid to go home. Will you, will you help me? If anyone's gonna kill you, Georgia, it's gonna be me. How do you get yourself into these messes? Do you see now why you need me? Who the hell else would do what I do for you? Joe, I called because I need your help, not to fight. There isn't a day that goes by I don't think about you in that city with all those nuts running around. I knew this would happen. Why don't you just come home where you belong? Are you gonna help me or not? All right. <sighs> Thank you, Joe. I'll send somebody, meet him at the airport tomorrow. I'll put him on the 8.30 flight. How will I recognize him? He'll find you. He'll have instructions to stay with you day and night until the problem is taken care of. What's he gonna do? You know better than to ask that kind of question on the phone. Don't 
worry, honey. You're in good hands. Nothing will happen to you. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. Woo! 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. One thing I knew about Joe, he knew how to handle a crisis. In retrospect, that was a real turning point in our relationship. Joe's guy, Al, waited with me in my apartment until Steve inevitably showed up. Al was prepared to do whatever was necessary, but I couldn't let him go through with it. I thought if he just scared Steve enough, it would solve things. I watched as Al beat Steve to a bloody pulp and then told Steve to never talk to me again. He scurried away, nodding, and Al went back east. And for a while, things were quiet. I was hopeful. And then, like all pests, Steve returned. It started incrementally. I would see his car on my block. Then the calls were back, and the late-night drop-ins. And this time, his threat sounded more serious. He was psychotic, and I felt he was truly dangerous. But I didn't know what to do. The police were a dead end, and I didn't want to call Joe again. I thought of calling Sammy G, but he was dodging his own bullets from the mob and the law. So I called someone else I knew I could rely on without a price attached. Hello? Hi, Frankie. Georgie girl. How you doing, baby? I've been better. I, um... I need your help. I'm, I'm sorry to ask, but can you fly out here? Of course, baby. I'll, I'll catch the red eye tonight. Thank you, Frankie. How long can you stay? As long as you need me. I picked him up at the airport the next day and filled him in. He was livid. You gotta be kidding me. Why didn't Joe just kill the motherfucker? I mean, you, you got a bunch of fucking lightweights around you, baby. You should have just called me in the first place. I wouldn't let him, Frankie. Georgie girl, you gotta wake up. You have to harden your heart, baby. Frankie, I'm so glad you're here. 
I feel so much safer now. This has been a nightmare. The first thing we gotta do is find another place to live. How's Tony dealing with all this? Well, she's been staying with my cousin, but she's amazingly resilient. This is nothing new to her, Frankie. She hasn't had a very happy childhood. One day, I'll make it up to her. Funny how life is. I let you go to protect you from the kind of life you wound up having anyway. I should have married you, baby. I kicked myself more than once for being such a fool. There's never been anyone else like you. I keep searching for even a glimpse of you and other women, but it's never there. You're cut above the rest, Georgie girl. You deserve a lot more from life than what you've gotten so far. Thanks, Frankie. Not so sure I believe that, but it's nice to hear. You're a winner, baby. And don't you ever forget that. For the next few weeks, Frankie accompanied me wherever I went. He was my temporary bodyguard. And we became lovers again during the time, but I would not allow myself to think about a future with him. I was trying to get away from that old life, and honestly, too much time had passed. Too much of my innocence had been lost. But I was relieved to know that the comfort of our friendship would be there forever. After a little while with no Steve incident, I decided to run an errand on my own and test out my independence. And you know what happened? Not Steve, but the FBI. One of your people cornered me and brought me in for questioning. <laughs> Sound familiar? Please, have a seat. Are you going to tell me why I'm here? I have to pick up my kid from school. You were at a party in Bellow's home on February 22nd, 1976, which you attended with your husband, am I correct? If you say I was, then I guess I was. Several reputed Mafia members attended that party. Did you overhear any conversations between any of these men that you can recall? Nope. Why was Salvatore Reale there? I don't know the man. Is this or is this not a photo of the two of you together in New York? Anyone else you want to claim not to know? He threw more pictures at me. Images of me with all the usual suspects. Paul Castellano, the head of the Gambino family. Tony Lee, captain in the Gambino family. Sammy G and Joe Colombo. Nice guys you're friendly with. They're just old acquaintances from back home. <sighs> Level with us, Georgia. We can help you. I don't know anything. That's not what Steve tells us. Wh Excuse me? Your buddy Steve told us you're willing to testify against Joe and the mob. We know they're giving you and Steve trouble. Joe's our lead suspect on a case we've been working on for over a year. Give us something we can use and you'll be rewarded, I can promise you that. We'll put you and Steve together into witness protection, send you both anywhere you want to go. What? This is insane! You guys have got it all wrong! I want to get away from Steve! You aren't in a relationship? No! He's just some creep who won't leave me alone. Jesus! Check with the police department. I filed a thousand complaints against the guy. <laughs> you guys have been taken for a sucker. We'll obviously need a bit of time as we check this out. Make sure we can find you. Did you consider helping them? No. I knew it would only cause more problems for me. But they did eventually figure out I was telling the truth about Steve, and boy were they mad. Finally, they got rid of that problem. Turns out the FBI did not like being manipulated. 
They found enough offenses to put Steve behind bars where he belonged. But after that meeting, I was less scared about Steve and more scared that Joe would learn that I'd even talked to the FBI. I went straight home and told Frankie what happened. You gotta go see Joe, baby. You gotta let him know what's happening here. Frankie hated Joe, but he felt a kinship in this situation. A code which Italians on the dark side live by was taking charge. If the FBI's been following you, they probably got a make on me by now. This is gonna bring down some heat on our friends on the East, and they're not gonna be happy about it. I gotta get back to New York and smooth this thing out before tempest start flaring, you know what I mean? I'll sit down, but what? I didn't get permission, Georgie girl. I can't explain it right now, but you may have to come to New York for a few days. I'll send you a ticket if it comes to that. I'm afraid to go see Joe, Frankie. I know, but you gotta go, baby. You can't just leave him in the dark. I'll leave you some money, get a hotel for a while until I can figure this out. I'll miss you, Frankie. Yeah, me too, baby. I don't like leaving you like this, but I, I have no choice. I know. See you when I see you. Georgie girl? Yeah. I love you, baby. I love you too, Frankie. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I was terrified, but I did go to see Joe. I knew it was the right thing to do. I explained everything and apologized profusely. Amazingly, he seemed composed. He poured us both a drink without saying a word. I was thrown by his calm reaction and I struggled to relax. But as we started talking, I realized this wasn't about me. It was about him. And he remained fairly level-headed. He paced around the room as we discussed the course of action we would take, depending on the scenario. It was four o'clock in the morning before we stopped talking. We were both pretty weary. As I knew he would, Joe tried to convince me once again how much he loved me, but for the first time ever in person, I was able to view him only as a batterer, an abuser, and a controller, and remain firm. When he was satisfied, 
he let me leave. I was relieved. And after that, there were no more threats, no more menacing phone calls. At one point later, his mother got sick and he asked me to come visit her, which I did. I always loved her and Joe appreciated that. Our relationship was civil and finally I felt free. I was able to focus on Tony, my stunt career, and build a life for myself in Hollywood. The last thing I was looking for was a relationship. In fact, I was adamantly against one. But then I met Richard. My cousin Randy and his girlfriend Susan had just moved to L.A., and I decided to take Susan out on the town. We went to Pips, a private nightclub, where my neighbor, who was a member, called to leave our name at the door. We arrived at 9 p.m., and the crowded disco was in full swing. Moments after walking in the door, I felt a tap on my shoulder. Would you like to dance? Oh, no, thank you. Well, then, would you like a drink? No, thank you. I've had my limit until I get some food in me. Of course. Can I get you something to eat? Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm here with a friend. Hi, I'm Susan. Who are you? My name is Richard Andre. Are you ladies hungry? Starved. Oh, good. Well, it's settled then. I'll get us a table. Uh, what? I started to object, but Susan followed after him, and I felt I had no choice but to follow. We made our way into the dining room and sat down at a cozy booth. Across from our table, Warren Beatty sat with three spectacular women. Yet his eyes explored the room, resting occasionally in my direction. Frank Sinatra stood at the bar with Jilly, a character I had briefly associated with in New York City. Lucille Ball was absorbed in a backgammon game in the adjacent room with Jim Rose, a director who lived in the building next to mine. Richard's eyes darted around the room. I sensed he was in search of some recognition from his peers for the status we had brought to him. He was nice enough, but I wasn't interested. Not necessarily because of him, but dating in general. At that point, I really had no experience with a healthy man to distinguish the difference between what was normal and what was not. And I didn't want to make that mistake again. I couldn't. But when we left, Susan confessed she gave him my number. Predictably, he called the next day and invited me to dinner Friday. I tried to get out of it, claiming I didn't have a babysitter, but he called my bluff and invited Tony to come along. To my surprise, we had a great time. And, after a few dates, which always included my daughter, my initial fears faded away. Richard was a kind soul, with money to enjoy, and I soon found myself looking forward to our dates. He was extremely patient, and I became comfortable with him, and Tony enjoyed all the attention he showed her. In time, I fell in love, and was surprisingly happy. Richard treated Tony and me like royalty, and he knew about my past and didn't seem to judge me. When he asked me to marry him, I said yes, which meant I had to make a call I was dreading. But Joe and I had reached a new level of understanding, and finally, he agreed to a divorce. Well, agree may be the wrong word, but he didn't contest it. He even said he could live with it as long as he could still talk to me sometimes and spend some time with Tony, which I could live with. What's his was his, what's mine was mine, and I was free to get married once again. Richard and I had a small wedding in a large suite at the Desert Inn Hotel in Las Vegas. No invitations were sent. Only family members and a few close friends were present. Though Joe knew about it, he didn't know where or when it was happening. 
I still didn't totally trust it was sitting well with him and didn't want any surprises. It was Thanksgiving Day, 1979. My new life was beginning on the same day that Jimmy Massaro's had ended just six years earlier. Darlene, who was once married to Joe's younger brother, Jimmy, was my maid of honor. Pen in hand, she hesitated before assigning her name as a witness. Darlene was easy to read. I could tell she was worried that Jimmy or Joe would somehow find out that she was a willing accomplice in the crime I was committing, daring to remarry. When married to Joe, I wasn't even allowed to be friends with Darlene. Joe viewed her independent spirit as a bad influence on me. And here she was, my maid of honor. Oh, God. This is just too bizarre. Not as bizarre as our past are. Do I call Richie Daddy now, Mom? If you want to, Tony, I think he'd like that. Everyone was in a great, loving mood when suddenly the door of the suite opened. All eyes landed on the two large men who entered. Everyone could tell they were no ordinary guests. I followed the stairs to see Joey Tiaborelli and Tommy Taylor, now Joey's bodyguard, walking toward me. Joey? What are you doing here? Well, I hear you're getting married, and I happen to be in town, so I thought I'd surprise you. You make a beautiful bride, Georgie girl. Well, thanks, Tommy. I guess I must think so, too, since I've been the bride three times now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so who's the lucky guy? Richard, come over here. Richard, this is Joey Tiaborelli and Tommy Taylor. They're old friends of mine from Rochester. Oh, Nice to meet you. You better be good to this girl. She's a very special lady. You're a lucky guy. Yes, thank you, I know that. Is there a place we can talk privately, Georgia? Um, sure. Come with me. I excused myself from Richard, leaving him to entertain our guests. I led Joey up the winding staircase to the elegant bedroom, Tommy in tow. So, what's up? Things are still a little bad in Rochester, Georgia. Since Sammy G's been gone, God rest his soul, there's been practically a murder a week. It's a freaking power struggle, and I'm afraid we're not winning. It's not my world anymore, Joey. It'll always be your world, honey. You can take the girl out of New York, but you can't take the New York out of the girl. You want a bet? I've never seen you turn down a bet before, Joey. You want to lay a little down on that one? (sighs) Georgie... I gotta go on the land for a while. I need five grand. Jesus Christ, Joey. This is my wedding day. Oh, you think because you're getting married to a millionaire now you can forget who your old friends are? I'll bet you got more than that downstairs. He's a millionaire, Joey. I'm not. I can think of a way to make you one real fast. Oh, come on, Joey. What is this, a fucking shakedown? Of course not, honey. We're friends. I'm desperate, Georgie, or I wouldn't be asking. If you want to see your old buddy alive five years from now, you'll help me. If you don't, you're giving me my death sentence. Don't lay that shit on me. I'm not giving you a death sentence. You did that to yourself a long time ago. How many times did I save your ass from that piece of shit you were married to, huh? You didn't save my ass, Joey. Sammy did. And I never asked for the favor. Besides, you guys had your own agenda. Don't try and tell me it was all on my behalf. Now who's forgetting the girls from New York? If Sammy hadn't become the man, Georgia... You might not even be here to wear that pretty white dress right now, and you goddamn well know it. Who's kidding who here? You owe me, honey. I don't know you shit. 
I have to get back to my guest, Joey. After all, this is a wedding. What about the money? <sighs> my old life was literally and violently intruding on the new. But I realized the only way to get rid of him without ruining the entire day was to give him some money. Joey, only gangsters walk around with five grand in their pockets. This is the real world. I'll get you a thousand, but that's as far as I go. And for your information, this is coming out of my pocket. I'll have to pay Richard back. And I expect you to pay me back someday, one way or another. I found Richard and pulled him aside, telling him I needed a thousand dollars. He wasn't thrilled, but he didn't question it. I discreetly gave Joey the money, then they finished their champagne and left. A fine beginning to my new life. But I had come to learn that there were no real beginnings and ends. My past would always be a part of me. But that didn't mean I couldn't move forward. If this was the worst of my problems, I'd learn to tolerate it. The champagne started to flow once again and the piano began back up. It was a wonderful day. And then, miraculously, I became pregnant on my honeymoon. Nine months later, I gave birth to my son, Dustin. It was one of the happiest days of my life. The hospital room was filled with flowers and balloons. Tony's life was now filled with dance and riding lessons, outings with friends, parties, and school plays, most of which Richard participated in. She felt like she belonged. She finally laughed and smiled again. I actually had the family I always wanted. How did that sit with Joe? I always was worried he might lash out, but for the most part, we remained civil. He did show up unannounced at my house once, soon after I was married, but I think he just wanted to make his presence known more than anything else. But whether or not he was there, so much of our relationship continued to haunt me. I actively tried to work through it, but it really shaped the adult I grew into. As he got older, Joe found himself all alone, and he had to contend with the life he led, the situations he created. He became his own judge and jury and sentenced himself to life as a recluse. He gave up and waited impatiently to die, making himself physically sick at the age of 57. He could barely walk or breathe and the demons in his head continued to haunt him. When death refused to take him naturally, he finally took a gun that had mysteriously disappeared from my house during his visit, put it to his head, and drove all the demons away once and for all. Not many fond memories or nice words were said in the wake of Joe's passing. The world had not suffered a great loss. But, finally, I felt completely free. At a certain point during my life with Joe, Georgia Black had taken over completely. She needed to so I could survive. But now that he was gone, I felt like I could really say goodbye to her. What about Frankie? How did he take the news you remarried? Frankie said if I was happy, he was happy. And I like to believe he meant it. We both always loved each other, but I suppose we just weren't meant to be. He remained a close friend, though, and a confidant until the end of his life. He even visited occasionally and never stopped being good to me and Tony. The truth is, every part of my past made me who I am. I just learned with time how to hold on to the good bits and let go of the hard parts. I think that's something everyone has to contend with at some point or another. Even if your past isn't quite as colorful as mine was. 
Wheel Woman is written by Lars Jacobson and Sabrina Jaglum and directed by Sabrina Jaglum. Produced by Lars Jacobson and Sabrina Jaglum. Executive produced by Georgia Durante and Noel Brown for iHeartRadio. Wheel Woman stars Lelia Symington as Georgia. With additional performances by Tanner Beard, Zachary Weber, Simon Jaglum, Chase Mullins, Nick Williams, Gabe Greenspan, Dylan McCollum, Garrett Bear, Nora Garrett, Duncan Caladine, Victoria Foyt, Max Georgie, Mariah Bess, and Max Jacoby. Edited by Chris Childs with sound design and theme music by Chris Childs. Adapted from the book The Company She Keeps by Georgia Durante. Wheel Woman Confessions of a Getaway Driver is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.